Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of the Sales Drop-In Podcast. It's myself here, AJ, the host for the most, and our, our co-host, uh, Vasu. Vasu, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Uh, loving it, economy's crashing, interest rates going up. What what? I, what can I say? It's having a, having a great And time. a lot of companies are making their, their teams redundant as well. So it really kind of speaks to the kind of uh, system and industry we find ourselves in. So in today's podcast, we're going to focus on a few core ideas. First being, you know, one, really painting the picture in regards to truly how competitive this this landscape is. Two, the, the catch-22 involved with wanting to find a sales job, but all sales jobs require you to have, you know, imaginary experience and how do I get experience as an entry level? Also going to be covering how you as a candidate can can stand out. And, you know, we're going to give you a real interesting case study of how you can land your dream sales job without even applying. So so stay tuned. So on the first topic, Vasu, let's let's speak about how competitive this this market is right now. Yeah, so I, I think if we kind of define competition, it's going to become like one of those weird uh, monologues. But competition if we look at it it's simple it's like supply and demand right if there's more supply than demand then it's very competitive if there's less supply than demand again it's still super competitive um and so we are kind of in the position where just because the way the economy is and because the influx of individuals looking for sales roles i at least from what i can see there's a huge huge amount of candidates um there's probably less roles out there than there would have been a year ago um and yeah there's there's crazy competition i mean i can say from our perspective uh, for example like seed legals we're looking for the cream of the crop right we're looking for some of the best and so we get a lot of uh, applications some of them great some of them uh, need some more experience and some more improvements but it's definitely difficult to make yourself stand out in the sea of thousands and thousands of SDRs looking for the exact same role, uh, I, I think is what I'm seeing. What about yourself, AJ? You know, I definitely 100% agree. I thought I'd maybe pull up some stats and data to add some color to this, right? So if you're applying for a job online, you're probably competing with about 75% of the rest of the population for about 80 or 20% of the available jobs or vacancies. And why I'm saying that is, most opportunities are actually filled through back channeling, which is referrals, you know, people who people or people know, family members, nepotism comes into play and the jobs available to us, uh, people who don't have the ability to have these networks are really the jobs where nobody else in their immediate network could fill. In addition to that, what we're seeing is well-known companies are probably getting somewhere between you know, 200 to maybe 300 plus resumes, you know, per application. To add more pictures to that before you're even called in to actually speak to somebody you know your interview has gone through what's referred to as an applicant tracking software which means you know really it's a software it's ai trying to pull core or keywords from your cv out to see whether you're even eligible to speak to and then you finally get to that chance of being called in for a first stage interview with perhaps a recruiter during a shortlist so some really interesting stats here to, to look at. Only 2% of people who apply are actually even selected for an interview. And when you actually apply online, uh, and here's a, here's a remarkable stat, you have a 0.33% chance of, of being hired. And that's if you meet you know, the on-paper qualifications, and if you don't come from perhaps a, 
a traditional background, being, you know, Ivy League if you're in the States or whether it being, you know, roster group if you're here in the UK, you know, this process here of landing your, your dream sales job becomes like infinitely harder. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought I'd kind of paint a really cool picture. So I, when I was looking for my first role out of university around, well, after, after leaving my startup and then um, out of university, just over two, two and a half years ago now, I applied to a load of companies. Um, I think I got like three interviews out of maybe 120 applications I sent out. Um, but obviously eventually ended up working at Seed Legals. The way that I ended up working at Seed Legals was very interesting. And this leads on to a very, a very good suggestion. Uh, so what ended up happening was at my startup, uh, Seed Legals actually helped us get advanced assurance. And so out of that, um, I'd spoken with Anthony where he gave us a demo of Seed Legals back in the day. Um, spoke with Jonathan, who was the head of sales at the time, and kind of just stayed in contact. Uh, I, I saw they were hiring, and I ended up reaching out to Anthony and asking about a role that they that they were um, advertising for. Ended up him introing me in back again with Jonathan. Spoke with Jonathan, uh, had an interview, then interviewed with him as well as uh, the head of commercial at the time, Adam, and. About two weeks later, I was I was hired at Seed Legals. I think the takeaway, main takeaway from that story is the back channel side of things is quite important. If you can build out your network, and it doesn't even have to be in the traditional way of going and meeting people, why don't you find some interesting startups that are doing a lot of cool things? Maybe they've recently raised a round uh, or they're about to, um, and they've got a really interesting product. Try their product out get on a sales call with them. You'll, you'll end up meeting people from the company and, and talking to them. If they've got a role that's interesting to you, mention it on the call. You immediately got in front of that person who's going to be potentially working with you um, at that role and you've shown initiative. You're standing out quite significantly rather than being in a pool of hundreds and thousands of other CVs that people are going to see where it can be difficult to stand out. And there's only so many things you can put on your CV. There's only so much experience you can get. But if you're going for it, taking a... A proactive approach of getting yourself in front of people so no harm in it i think there's there's definitely a better conversion rate and don't be afraid of rejection uh, in life it happens far too often Vasily, <laughs> let me let me play devil's advocate right i want to land a job in in tech sales you know i don't know much about tech i don't really know much about sales you know what what value can i add to to early stage company so on that point what i would actually say is make sure you're looking within uh, areas and markets where you actually have an interest and you have some knowledge of the market. For example, I could never end up in like food tech. I have no idea what I, I, I can't, okay, I can bake, but I can't cook. You can just eat my food, so you can do I eat food. I consume it at, at staggering quantities. Um, and so for me to kind of go to a food tech startup and say, yeah, I can do amazing for you. I have no experience in sales. Even if you find your way into that sales call, there's very little tangible potential benefit, even to you in your longer term career, if you don't have an interest in that industry. But again, playing devil's advocate on that, so it's a double whammy. Um, I had no interest in law, not none at all. Um, my previous business was in health tech and I'm here joining a legal tech business where it's a platform, but uh, it's still within the legal sphere. So as long as there is some interest and you understand the tech landscape, you're willing to learn, you're willing to 
absorb a lot of knowledge beforehand and come to the meeting prepared, understand the industry, understand what's going on, then you're in a good place. If you find yourself not interested in what the company's doing, what's what's the point? It's it's a loss, loss. You'll waste your time, you'll waste their time. Don't don't try. I think it comes down to also like two things, right? It's like, especially at this stage where we need to roll our sleeves up, it comes down to like hustle and you know, creativity, right? So let's think of some examples. If you're trying to break into marketing without having you know, any previous experience in you know, maybe there's scope for you to create a, a super niche social media account based upon something you're interested by and grow and scale that. And that's a great way for you to, to showcase that practical experience with, with having done, you know, marketing. Same thing about if you want to go into maybe product management or, or, or product management or maybe tech, you can simply, simply go online and find some type of, you know, free uh, code three platform or no code platform, create your own app, use Figma to mock up some designs, and then there we go. Like with sales, you could create a sales blog. You could maybe try and you know sell a, a service-based asset or a service-based agency online. There's there's things you can do. Whether what you can go out and show that hustle, that creativity, and simply when you put that information in front of your hiring manager, it's really going to stand out. You know, guys, this reminds me of a of an experience we had quite recently with a with a candidate. He managed to to land a land a, an interview. Arguably, he landed the final stage interview, in fact, without even applying on the on the website, which is which is amazing. So just to paint a picture about this candidate, uh, anonymize the information because it's not really important or necessary. This candidate did a great job of identifying like who the important stakeholders were in the company. Right. So he realized that it's you know, C Legals is a startup. He probably worked under the assumption that somebody is going to be responding to the CEO's emails and that bet was a, was, was a correct bet. So he sent quite a nice personalized outreach email to the CEO. CEO loved it so much so that he put that candidate in front of the head of sales. He put that candidate in front of me and within maybe two or so days, maybe less from his initial outreach, he had a first stage interview where we didn't look at his CV. We had no idea what his or her experience was. We had no idea if they had sales experience beforehand. All we felt was like, wow, this here candidate has shown some hustle. It shows some creativity. This is what you need for a super early stage startup or early stage startup salesperson. Let's speak to that person. And, you know, unfortunately, for one reason or another, you know, maybe we weren't quite right in regards to the stage we were at for this candidate. But I'm confident that with that type of attitude, that type of approach, that candidate will have no problem finding a, a career in sales and keeping in sales for a long, 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 long period of time. 100%. And a lot of people will ask the question, well, how do you find out the email addresses of these people? Honestly speaking, like the way organizations are, are structured isn't that different each time. For example, my email at work would only really be either my first name and then the company domain or my first dot last name and the company domain. Uh, once you've seen someone's email from that company, you know what everyone's email from that company is going to be just by knowing their name. It's super, super easy to find out what people's emails are, end up reaching out to them. If I wanted, I could probably find someone at a competitor, competitor company's email and email them now. It, it's not difficult. It just takes a bit of trial and error, seeing if an email goes through, but obviously try with a proper email, not just a, a test, <laughs> but it, it's super, super simple. Sebastian, let's, let's give them a little bit more game. Let's, let's break this process down further. What we could do is ultimately, I think we need to arrive at a decision. You know, do I want to work at you know a big company, or do I want to work at a, a smaller company? And this itself requires perhaps a lot of a, a lot of questioning in regards to like what's best for yourself, 
but both provide some amazing upside. So I think at a high level, Basu, what would you say the main upsides that you've experienced being of, of joining a startup are? I think the ability to kind of do a lot of things, if that makes sense. So you have a lot of freedom if you have the ideas to kind of execute them as long as you do the basics right to begin with. So I joined in a sales role. I'm now head of business development. It's been two years. Um, it's Ooh, one of those. That talk. Love that. Well, no, it, it's true though. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, exactly. The, the benefits of joining a startup is that if you knuckle down, you put your head down, you do what you say you could do, um, very quickly trust grows. And then if you've got the ideas, if you've got the ingenuity to look at what other companies are doing, understand markets, understand what general businesses go through when they're scaling, you can very easily repeat ideas that have been done hundreds of times, proven to be correct, proven to work with very low risk factor and have great career progression. I mean, within two, three years, you could be in a very senior position with your first job basically out of university. Um, you know, everyone's mileage may vary, uh, but it, it does give you a lot of ability to choose your career path more accurately. Um, and I think it just gives you a lot more freedom to, to have a say. I, I mean, I know some of my friends are in consultancy, right? Consultancy, I think is great. And over the long term, it, it's very lucrative business to work in. But when I can, when I compare it to what their day to day looks like, what my day to day looks like, um, the career progression, how comfortable they are, how comfortable I am in terms of my own ability, that there's a significant difference. For example, in startups, assuming you join the right one, you know the culture, you're going to come into a place who want to nurture you, who want to push you forward, who want to support you in growing. It's, it's, it's in their benefit, right? Why would a startup or a company in general want to hire more people every year for the same role? Churn isn't great. They want to nurture someone who can understand more and more about the business over the long term to provide a bigger and bigger output. Um, so they don't have to keep teaching people again and again. Whereas in other businesses, in potentially large businesses, you end up being just a number. Uh, and that, that can sometimes be demoralizing. It can sometimes push you down different avenues in terms of maybe looking at different careers. It could maybe, maybe make you demoralized overall towards your own uh, career path that you've chosen and maybe just generally unhappy as well. So again, mileage may vary. Companies may vary, cultures may vary. So you do have to be careful what you choose and where you go. But generally, the benefits I've seen from startups, just to summarize, are uh, morale. There's a big benefit in morale, uh, career opportunity and growth, uh, and generally personal learning and also their network as well. If someone's seeing you do well from a very early stage, you interact with a lot of other similar businesses, you end up building your network out a lot quicker. Um, and potentially your network is older than you have been in the industry, which is, which is a great place to be. Something that maybe I'd add is, you know, it, oftentimes it comes down to you know, the financial component to it, right? And I think it's really, really easy to try and maximize, you know, money super early on in your career. And I think at times doing so can kind of shortchange your potential career. And it's, you know, unless you're going into an extremely high, high paying, you know, sector such as, you know, private equity sales or, or your media, a law firm, or investment banking, which arguably is this type of sales in itself, right? The money tends to be tied to that, that sector, that employee. Whereas I think, you know, learning knowledge can be taken anywhere. And, you know, simply when you're joining an early stage startup, you're investing in your future self by growing 
and you know it really grows your optionality. Another fallacy is that maybe you can learn more at bigger companies. I think it's worth you just at a super early stage clarifying like what do you want to learn? From my experience of working at a consultancy, what you really learn well is how to manage stakeholders, so how to deal with their internal people. Whereas you know um, at a startup, like what you actually learn is how to do the work, and you'd be surprised at how many of these like, larger stage companies you have people who are who are great at managing processes aren't actually good at doing the work. And for me, I, I love doing the work for a startup. It's been, it's been great for me, right? So I guess there's some work required for you to flesh out what works best for yourself. But once we figured out it's a big company or startup, you know, here's some game for you to go out and actually, you know, find the interview or find the information the person you want to speak to. One is to find recruitment platforms or websites where you know companies are looking to hire. So think of, you know, working startup UK, for example, you know, think of AngelList as another example. And simply you can find companies who are hiring for, for sales roles, or sometimes you can just find companies who are hiring in general. The key thing to add here is just because you don't see an open vacancy or you know, because you don't see an open job advert doesn't mean these companies aren't hiring. And simply from there, you can find the company's um, domain. And to Vasu's point, we can simply pull up a, a free software called Hunter.io copy and paste the, the domain of the, the company. And this should be able to allow you to find the actual email composition of anybody in the company, right? Now we just need to head over to LinkedIn, find who the relevant decision makers are. If we're targeting relatively early stage startups, we're looking to go into sales. We may be looking to reach out to the head of sales, you know, the CCO, maybe even a sales manager if the company's at that stage or anybody who seems to be senior in the sales function. And simply then it's simply a case of perhaps crossing over an email, identifying what it is about the company that's piqued your interest, what you think the value you can add is. And cool thing I want to stress here is just because we don't have traditional sales experience as it currently sits, doesn't mean the experience we have right now cannot be transitional and, and can now still be applied to our, to our new potential career role, right? So we really want to have that email jam-packed with information, we want to connect with them on LinkedIn, we want to engage with their content. And if possibly, we really want to focus on, you know, creating content. I guess, Vasu, what's your, what's your thoughts on building a personal brand? I've seen a lot of people try and do it. Some people don't, some people do it poorly. Uh, what's your experience with, with people who are building personal brands? I think it's a bit of a mix. Um, I think you have to think about what the motivations are for you to do it. Are you, you're just doing it for the hell of it. Maybe there's somewhere where your energy can be better utilized. Um, if you have an ultimate goal for the reason why you want to create a personal brand, that's usually a better way to think about it. Um, for example, are you trying to grow your network? Are you trying to connect with like-minded individuals? Are you trying to support others? Are you trying to create a monetary benefit for yourself? So for example, some people make courses. Uh, and stuff. I think it all centers around what's your goal. And then you can kind of work out if this is uh, a mechanism to utilize in terms of your personal brand, because on occasion, you don't need to, right? If, you, if you're comfortable where you're at in terms of your role, et cetera, um, and you're comfortable with your career path, and you don't have any external or other requirements, uh, then what's, what's the real need, you know? Uh, I, I think some people kind of get stuck in the aspect of, oh, I have to make a personal brand or I have to do this. Start with the requirement first, you know, is it the right decision for you? Are you the right person to do it? Um, you might want to make a personal brand to increase your network, but maybe you don't, you're not good at production. You don't enjoy 
um, writing articles, you don't enjoy this, you don't enjoy that. And maybe then it's about changing your mindset in terms of that is your goal. How do you improve yourself on those aspects? How can you do it quickly? Um, what time frame do you need to do it in? Uh, so I think like there's a macro look at it and then there's a micro look at it. It's always better to start off macro and then work your way in rather than go, I'm going to make a personal brand. It's better to start with what's my ultimate goal. I want to build my network. Does building a personal brand get involved in that side of things? Does it assist? Is it beneficial? Why? How am I meant to do that? And then you can kind of work your way down that avenue, I think, is what I think at least. I'll tell you a story. I wanted to build a personal brand to add to my network. And I saw the great success that I guess Harry Stebbins had with breaking into the VC industry. And I created a, a, a podcast where I got to speak to people in my you know, industry and my community who are, you know, with all due respect, probably career-wise and sometimes even financially-wise, like much better than, than I was doing. And that had the ability to, for me to become part of their network. They made warm introductions and ultimately they put me on the idea of tech. I didn't really know tech was, was a thing. I was kind of happy with my world in consulting. Um, and as a result, like, this podcast has really shaped my, my career. And I think without the podcast, maybe, I'd, maybe I would still be in the tech industry, but maybe it would have taken me three or four years and I'd be three or four years behind. Another really interesting example is I used to coach um, American football. One of my players graduated with, with first class. Um, so shout out to, to Fraser, hope you won't mind me saying. And you know, Fraser kind of struggled like most graduates to, to land that, that, that first job in finance. So the feedback and recommendation I gave Fraser is Fraser, you know, connect with all the relevant people in, in your industry at the same level you are at the companies you'd like to work with. Simply you know, create a blog, um, create posts, post articles, try and create a podcast, try and get these people on to speak about you know, things in this industry so if you want to go into the finance sector. And as a result, just today on LinkedIn, as recording this, I saw Fraser landed his 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 job uh, at a wealth management fund, which is the dream job for him. And it's been a long time coming, right? So to Vasu's point, they it's got really Fraser. important. Shout out to him. Yeah, hopefully you take me out for a few drinks now. I've shot some Fraser, it seems like. So it's really important that to Vasu's point, we look at what's our purpose for doing this, right? Is it to, to just vanity? Is it to feed our ego? Is it to build connections or are we trying to hustle to something bigger? And again, like Simon Sinek would always say, start with the why. And once we know where we're, we're trying to get to, you know, brand building should be a way for us simply just to reverse engineer and get to that point. And Fraser is a great example of what happens when you show hustle, you get creative and, you know, hard work really does, you know, beat talent when talent doesn't work hard. I guess Vasu, any, any closing comments? I think that kind of covers things. Um, I guess my closing comment would be from a book I read very recently called Think Fast, How to Think Fast and How to Think Slow. Um, I think it, it describes things quite well in, when it comes to things like this. Sometimes go with your gut feeling in terms of what you're looking for, and that's thinking fast. Sometimes you don't know where that intuition's come from. Um, but other things such as going out and actually reaching out to those companies and um, finding the right role for yourself and being creative about things, that's thinking slow. Take your time with that and make sure you do it right as opposed to doing it quickly. Uh, there's a big, big difference in outcome. And that's it. Come on, come on. We will win because we will hit all game. We are motivated. We are dedicated. Come on now. Come on now. We will win because we are the best on the field.